Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Day Beautiful podcast feed. My name is Adam. I am the founder of Day Beautiful, the website and podcast where you can discover debut authors. If you like what you hear here, check out Day Beautiful on daybeautiful.net and on all social media at Day Beautiful. And welcome to yet another First Taste reading series where I invite an author to read five minutes from their work to kickstart your week off with great literature and put you in a really good mood. Today's guest is a former Lambda Literary Fellow whose writing has appeared in Vice, Salon, Vox, Black Girl Dangerous, Autostraddle, and the Los Angeles Review of Books. She currently lives in New York with her partner. Her debut memoir, Hijab Butch Blues, is out now. Please welcome Lamia H. Hey, how are you doing today? Good. How are you? You know, I'm doing fabulous. I'm so excited to talk to you. Your uh, your book, even though you know I on the surface seemingly don't connect with a lot of things people might think your book is about, I, I really did connect with it, and I'm so glad to be talking about your your memoir. Thanks for reading. Of course. Um, tell readers a little bit about it um, for people who may not have seen it out there or anything. Yeah. Um, so my book is a memoir and it's called Hijab Butch Blues. And in this book, um, what I do is I retell stories from the Quran as queer brown immigrant narratives um, that are just all alongside stories from my own queer brown immigrant life. And what I really wanted to do with this book is sort of like really think through figures and prophets um, from the Quran as as just like deeply human and um, people who are, you know, just like flawed and messy and, you know, um, sometimes make uh, contradictory life choices, um, some who sometimes make like good decisions and bad decisions and um, find themselves in, you know, questionable situations instead of thinking of, you know, figures from the Quran as these sort of uh, saints um, who never do anything wrong. Um, and so what I do in this book is that I use these stories as starting points to reflect on my own life. Um, and, you know, on the many messy situations that I've found myself in, um, especially as someone who is queer, as someone who's a non-binary womanish person, um, and as someone who, you know, wears hijab, um, in the U.S. Um, and, you know, as someone who immigrated here from uh, an Arab country um, and uh, which was different from the one that I was born in. Um, so, yeah, that's my yeah, book. Definitely. And uh, what will you be reading for us today? So today I'm going to be reading um, a section that's from the first chapter. Uh, the chapter is called Maryam, and Maryam is also known as the Virgin Mary in Christian tradition. And there's also a surah in the Quran, uh, a chapter in the Quran that's called Surah Maryam. And what I'm going to be reading about is uh, just my first experience reading this chapter from the Quran, like in Quran class when I was 14. Um, and just sort of like reading it alongside my classmates um, and just really being sort of blown away by the story um, of Maryam. Um, there's this particular verse in the Quran where Maryam is in the process of giving birth to, you know, Isa, also known as Jesus. Um, and she's in just so much pain and she sort of like rages and complains to God and she says she wants to die. And that really piqued my interest. Um, when I was 14. And so this is from the Quran class right after the one in which I've I've, I've heard the story um, about Maryam wanting to die. All right, we'll take it away. 
The week after reading about Maryam wanting to die, I look forward to the next Quran class. I'm jittery as the time approaches and eager to start walking to the language lab. As usual, my class of 22 girls whittles down to a little more than half as we wind our way through the school building to the annex on the other side of campus. The other girls are unhurried when we get there. They take their time choosing seats and chattering and settling, but I'm fast. Notebook out, pens out, headphones on, ready to start the lesson. I'm jumpy, hyper aware of everyone and everything, anxious that I'm being transparent, that everyone can tell that I'm craving the next installment of the story of Maryam, that I'm leaning in so as not to miss a word, that I'm grasping at everything I can learn about this woman who complains to God and wants to die. But today is a review lesson the Quran, the Quran teacher tells us to prep for our midterm the week after. I'm devastated. I'll have to wait an entire week to know what happens next while we recap the 30 or so verses we've already read and then review the recitation, the hard words, and the English translation for our upcoming test. Someone in the front row starts reading the beginning of the surah aloud and I sigh, slip into my usual half-listening mode. I nudge my best friend sitting next to me and ask to borrow her multicolored pens for doodling. Then, someone reads a translation of these verses aloud. And mention in the book the story of Maryam when she withdrew from her family to a place toward the east. And she took in seclusion from them a screen. Then we sent to her our angel, and he represented himself to her as a well-proportioned man. She said, Indeed, I seek refuge in the most merciful from you, so leave me if you should be fearing of Allah. He, the angel, said, I'm only the messenger of your Lord to give you news of a pure boy, Isa. She said, How can I have a boy while no man has touched me? I stop. Stop doodling. Stop calculating how many minutes till the end of class. Stop thinking about the bag of chips in my backpack. Stop breathing for a second. My body caught in a moment of clarity that shoots through me and suspends my thoughts. Suddenly, my arm raises of its own accord. And before I'm aware of making any conscious decision, I'm speaking, my voice higher than usual and breathless. Miss, miss, did Maryam say that no man has touched her because she didn't like men? There is a pause. Two seconds of shocked silence before my classmates break into titters. Some roll their eyes. This sounds a lot like one of my infamous questions that derailed the class. And some of my classmates are annoyed that I've interrupted their get-out-of-jail-free summary of the classes they've skipped and the things they need to know for the midterm. But I'm grateful, so grateful for the tittering. It conceals my earnestness. I'm grateful for my earlier antics that I get to play off this question as a moment of clowning instead of a sincere burning desire for an answer. I need to know, is this a thing? Are there other women like me who don't like men? who would tell a handsome, well-proportioned man-angel who appeared before them to go away, who have never been touched by men, who don't want to be touched by men. The Quran teacher, a matronly Sudanese woman in her 60s who has always been kind to me, doesn't seem to read anything to my question, and mercifully, she does not skip a beat in her answer. No, she says, it's because Maryam had taqwa. She had God consciousness in its highest state of being, it's because Maryam was pious and loved and feared God. She knew that the divine was watching her, even if no one else was around. Knew that the presence of God was everywhere, even if she couldn't see God. Maryam didn't want the privacy of her situation to tempt her into doing something with this beautiful man, something God wouldn't be happy with. 
Isn't that an excellent lesson to learn, girls? Don't ever forget that God is watching. When you're around boys, God is always watching. If you're alone with a boy, God is watching. If it's just the two of you somewhere, then God is the third. Remember Maryam, girls. Maryam turned to God. She asked the man to go away before because she had taqwa. But I know. I know differently. Maryam is a dyke. Isn't it obvious? Doesn't it make sense? She lives alone in a mosque with no one else around, no one to monitor what she does or whom she meets up with, and not a person in the world for company. One day, a handsome and well-proportioned man comes to her door unannounced. No one will know if he stays a while. No one will know what they do together. But before he can even talk, Maryam asks him to leave. No, thank you, she says. Please don't talk to me. She would rather have her solitude than the company of this handsome man. Eventually, she lets him, say, him stay, but only because he says he's an angel. She hears him out because he's an emissary from God, laughs heartily when, she sa- when he tells her she's going to have a baby. Who, me? She says, no man has ever touched me. No man. And I know, I know she was pious. I know she was always aware that God was watching. But there's no hesitation, not even for a second, when she turns him down and bars him from her space. It must be because Maryam didn't like men. Not handsome ones, not well-proportioned ones. These things don't even register for her. No man has ever touched her, she says. She hasn't let them. She hasn't been interested. Maryam is a dyke. Or maybe she isn't. Who knows? Dyke isn't even part of my vocabulary at 14, and maybe I'm reading too much into the story, these few lines of a text that's been around for 1,400 years. But what I do know is this. Maryam is something, somehow, like me. I feel different that day after Quran class, relieved at first after the embarrassment dies down, after I'm done playing off the question is intentional, after I'm done receiving high fives in the hallways from my classmates for my joke. I'm relieved that no one has caught on, and I'm relieved that I'm not the only one like this. And after this relief comes elation. There are other women like me in the Quran, women who are uninterested in men, who feel born wrong, living lives that are entirely out of their control. Women who rage, rage to God no less about wanting to die. Thank you so much for reading that. Um, One thing I love asking people who write memoirs is when when did you decide to write a memoir like was it something you always kind of wanted to do or did something jolt this this project um that's a good question in in some ways I've kind of always been writing this memoir mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I've been thinking about these stories from the Quran for so long they've you know just always been part of my milieu. I've just heard them from so many people growing up in so many different contexts. And so, and I've always, um, I've always brought the same level of sort of like critique to these stories that I did to when I was reading things as a kid, you know, I would read a lot of books and think deeply about the characters and their motivations and what they were thinking and why they would make a, a certain decision. And so in some ways, I was always doing that with stories from the Quran as well. And um, and when you're so surrounded by these stories, it's hard not to think about them in terms of yourself. Um, and so in some ways, I've always been sort of like drawing these parallels and using sort of like the lessons that I gleaned from these stories to reflect on my own life. 
Um, but the act of writing itself um, didn't come until way later. Um, that actually happened when I was on a trip with my partner a few years ago, and um, it was Eid, which is um, it, it's one of the sort of like holidays um, in Islam. And this particular Eid is centered around the story of Hajar, who um, who uh, is uh, um, there's there's a um, story in the Quran where um, Hajar's son Ismail is going to be sacrificed by. Um, by his father Ibrahim, also known as Abraham, and um, there's a story um, in which the, the the child is replaced by a sheep, and so then everyone sort of like eats the sheep, and there's this big holiday. Um, and I was thinking about the story a lot because um, I was on a trip to visit my family with my partner, and we were pretending to be friends because um, I wasn't out to my family, mm-hmm. and so. Both of these stories were like happening in parallel, um, and and I felt I don't know I felt uh, I felt like there was something there that I wanted to tease out. I was trying to figure out why you know um, going on this trip was so meaningful to me. It was so lovely that my partner got to meet my family, but there was also this sense of um, sadness along with the joy. And I was thinking about Hajar and what it must have been like for her, um, you know, watching her kid about to be slaughtered um and you know instead having this holiday um so i was thinking about that a lot and the that first essay which comes towards the end of the book sort of like wrote itself and Mm -hmm. from there i was like wow i i actually have so many of these parallels um and stories that i wanted to write about um so that's that's how the memoir was born yeah and and what was that process process like figuring out like what essays and what parallels and what stories you want to share? How did how did that all unfold? Figuring out what went into this book. Hmm. Um, I um, as I started writing, um, a lot of the a lot of the memories and stuff that I wanted to share, um, kind of came to me. Um, I I'm I'm not someone who you know like grew up writing a lot and you know I haven't sort of like trained as a writer and so writing is really hard for me um and it's it's uh, a slow painstaking process Mm -hmm. and um so I'm I'm more of like an underwriter than an overwriter I actually like you know um uh had this sort of like structure in mind and then I had to sort of like add stories as opposed to I feel like a lot of writers are just so um uh you know abundant in their writing and they have to like take things out whereas for me I had to like really sort of like think through what um essays to put in and which ones um were sort of like missing from the final arc yeah and and I mean this the the memoir these essays are very like like personal obviously (laughs) it's a silly thing to say about a memoir but uh, as you were writing it uh, this is a silly question, but like, was it freeing in a way? Was it concerning mm-hmm. that your story was going to be out in the world more? Um, what were you experiencing as like you wrote it and then obviously got closer to publication and now like, right. it's, it's out there? Um. So when I was doing the writing, all of that was happening, you know, solitarily in a room. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of forgot that people read it. Um, mm-hmm. 
because it's it's just it's so vulnerable to be writing about yourself. Um, but I didn't realize that until I gave it to people to read early drafts, and you know they had comments, and I was like, "Whoa, hold on, this is like so intense." Um, and so and, and so, sort of like having the book out there in the world has also felt like intense in that way. Um, but uh, it's also just it's it's felt really nice because I think in the process of writing the book, I um, kind of unearthed a lot of feelings that I had buried and um, or there were a lot of like incidents that I hadn't really processed or thought through. And it, it was it was um, I don't know if freeing is the right word, but it definitely felt like it helped me like work through some of those things and also just like flag the things that I haven't been able to work through um, for, you know, for the many, many years of therapy that mm. will come. And then, yeah, like I said, thank you for, I mean, joining the podcast today and thank you for writing it just in general, the book. Um, where Where do you take your writing next? I mean, you've written essays for so many places and you now have a book out um where do you want to what do you want to tackle next um i'm working on this project that's um that's fiction which feels like the next thing i want to write um again um i'm i i've been sort of like teaching myself to write through this process of writing a book and so it feels really exciting to be um to be sort of like pulling characters out of the air um and sort of like pulling like stories out of the air. Um, yeah, so that's that's where I wanna go next. Thank you so much to Lamia for joining the Day Beautiful First Taste Reading Series. You can find her at LamiaH.com and on Twitter and Instagram at LamiaH. You can find Day Beautiful at DayBeautiful.net and on social media at Day Beautiful. As always, I'm Adam. This is Day Beautiful and you're all beautiful. <laughs>